Hi, Mer. Hi. How are you? I'm sicky. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I'm not sicky. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> don't you fucking spread that over here. I hope not. I hope you don't get it. Poor little Ollie got it pretty good this morning. Mm. Uh, I woke up and he was, he coughed and I thought he was like a puke in bed or something. Oh my God. It, I he was like, thought he was choking. I don't know. I woke up from a dead sleep, just straight alert mode. Mm. And it was not fun. On that mom mode. Yep. Maybe I should make you wear a mask so I don't get sicky. Yeah. I don't want to get sicky. Well, I'm already here. I'm already <laughs> breathing and breathing. I touched all over your pewter, so. Oh, God. Oh. Welcome back to Mama Mer. This is Ma. And this is Mer. Sick Mer. Sick Mer, yeah. So sorry. Sorry I sound a little weirdy. So what have you been up to other than being sick? Uh, we went to a show, Oliver Tree. That was pretty fun. Yeah? It was a lot of fun. He's a goofy fucker. Uh, yeah, he is. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. But it was, a, it was a blast. There was a little kid, um, that was kind of standing next to us on his dad's shoulders and he did the whole Oliver Tree dance. <laughs> it was super cute. Oh. And I fell downstairs and spilled a little bit of my drink on his mom. She was really Mer. nice about it. I, I literally tripped down the stairs. I was trying to watch the stage because I, can, I can't see, like, when I'm in the crowd very well. So I was, like, watching the stage as I was tripping. Short problems. I know. So, like, my heel caught and I, like, stumbled. It was only a little bit. Mm. And she was wearing, like, a, one of those slick coats. So it came right off of her. It didn't even get her, like, actually wet. But I felt so bad. I kept going over. I'm like, I'm so sorry. She's like, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Got to expect that shit to happen, though, in a mm-hmm. freaking yeah. venue. You know, that's how it goes. Yep, yep. It was a lot of fun, though. A lot of fun. Mm, yeah, well, that's good. Um, I had a good birthday party, so that was fun. I mean, it wasn't really a party. It was just, you know, more or less, hey, because I had to work, you know, so I'm like, hey, uh, while I'm here working, stop in and see me. Stop in and say hello. So, yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, and then I had Oliver while you were at Oliver Tree, so <laughs> that was fun for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know what else is new. I've been binge watching, well, more or less listening, but I'm so fucking invested in Blacklist on Netflix. Oh my god, it's so good. I told you it's good. Oh god, it's so good. So yeah, like. I'm the type of person I can't sit and watch TV, so I'll have it on my laptop or my mm-hmm. phone or whatever as I'm walking around doing things. And then if something important happens, I'm like, oh, I gotta go rewind it real quick. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, well, I've been doing some organization around here because that was my uh, New Year's resolution. resolution. So I've been working on that. That's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot, a lot. I know. I know. (laughs) I'm exhausted. I try to organize stuff and it just, I feel like I make such a mess trying to organize stuff and then I'm like over it halfway through and you're like, fuck. Now you got this big old mess. Why did I start this? And then you just throw it all back in a pile and it's worse. Valid. Mm Mm-hmm. I hear it. I hear it so much. 
Yeah. I've got so many doom boxes and doom baskets and where you just throw everything in. Totes. Yeah. Totes around here. There's totes oh, yeah. everywhere. <laughs> like a bunch of, just, a, just a bunch of junk that I'll go through later. Yep. Yep. They are getting so... condensed down, though, so. Well, that's good. That's gooder. Uh, um, let's see. What else? I don't know. This will come out, what, January 22nd on a Monday. So if you're into it, make sure that you are um, partaking January 25th on Thursday is the first full moon of the year. Oh. The wolf moon. Mm-hmm. You going to go out and howl at it? I, I might. Oh, I, I might. for sure I'll will. Think, I'll think about I'll it. Howl. If I remember. Yep. Yep. Moon yep. and Leo, so. Mm. We um, we had a big snowfall. Oh, my God. People. Say about that. People that are not in the Midwest. You wouldn't even fucking believe. We this. haven't had snow all year, and then we got like 12 inches, 12 inches in one night. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was horrid. We got 12 inches the first night, and then it didn't snow the next day. And then the next day, it snowed two and a half inches. And then the following day, eight inches. Yeah. After, and I don't know what we got the day right after, after that. After two inches, we decided, hey, let's go to Chicago. Yeah. Get yeah. Three, get, get in the car in three and a half Yeah, hours. Eric's like, there's no way they're going to go. They they ain't going to get there. I thought that too, but I'm like, it worked oh, out. They're going. So, yeah, I was a nervous wreck. I, I kind of was too, but I just didn't, uh, I tried not to look out the window. <sighs> not so, not so. They were closing down highways and interstates. Oh, they're all open. You're like, ah, we're going to go. Oliver Tree's fun. They were closing down intersections and stuff, or intersections, interstates the, the day before, not yeah. Saturday. Whatever. Well, speaking of interstates and highways, Mer, let's get to our story. You wanna 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 hear yeah, a story? Yeah, I do want to hear a story. Okay. So this story I got pretty much all from Wikipedia. Um, I did like some Google on some other things, but mm-hmm. mostly it's all Wikipedia. There are some documentaries out there that I was gonna check out, but oh my gosh, I had so much to say that I didn't have time. I didn't have time to watch the documentaries. So maybe we'll do that because as you see here, this is very long. Yeah. So the big one likely going to be a two parter. We'll see where we get, but apologies. I didn't shut off my phone. Um, so, yeah, it's likely going to be a two-parter, but we'll see where we get. We'll see. Okay. Tonight, I'm going to tell you about one of America's most prolific serial killers. No. Mm-hmm. The most prolific, you say? In his hunting grounds, right here. In the Midwest. What? Did I hear about this one? I was a little dumbfounded my damn self. Not going to lie. Huh. This killer had a very short stint. 
only two years between October 1982 and August 1984. Anytime you think you know it, just yell out. Oh, God. Anything yet? No. Okay. He took... My brain is quite foggy right now. Yeah, but... I can tell you. I don't even know that you're paying attention to me. I'm trying to. <laughs> <laughs> you just see me trying to work during the day. <sighs> but he took the lives of at least 21 young men and believed to have been more. And I'm sure that's very likely. Like, can you even imagine how many more would have died if it would have been more than two years? No. Good Lord. Yeah. I'm trying to think of who it could have been. I know. I see your, I see them wheels up there turning. And, um, but yeah, dude just went on a fucking spree. It, craziness. So, no idea. Larry William Eiler. I don't even know if I know who that is. Otherwise known as the highway killer or the interstate killer. Mm-mm. I'm sure as soon as you get telling it, I'll be like, oh, that one. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to be 100%. I really didn't. I mean, maybe I've heard of him or knew of him, but, you know, like it slipped my brain or whatever. Because, yeah, when I was like looking for a story and normally we don't do stories on like serial killers you know but yeah this for some reason this one like popped up and i'm like what huh say what so he got his name because of his confirmed and alleged victims that were discovered across several midwestern states in locations close or accessible to interstate highways. Hmm. Yeah, you just went to Chicago. Wait till you hear this story. Oh, God. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, I normally, um, we normally don't do stories, you know, on killers. We normally do them on the victims. But there are so many victims in this case that I, I found it to be pretty interesting. And from what I know, not very well known. Yeah, I don't think I've heard of him. So, yeah. I mean, I like I said, I don't know. Um, So, I'll definitely be speaking, you know, somewhat of the victims, obviously. But, um, I don't know. And, and it's another thing, too. Like, after you get listening to this, it just, the, the question the whole time that kept popping in my head, we talked about the one time. Was he born this way or made this way? You know, yep. like I, nature or nurture. I, I don't know. It's, you know, I feel like it's a good mix of both. I, I'm sure it probably is, but I don't know. But anyway, just got my spidey senses up. So when that happens, got to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And Mur. Oh boy. Like I said before. The Midwest produces some pretty gnarly serial killers. It's weird because like, it's such nice people and then you get these fucking fuckswats that are just I know. Off the wall. People are so nice in the Midwest. I don't Most fucking... of them. Well, Most I, of them. I know, but I don't know. You think it's in the water? No. <laughs> oh, fuck. Then we'd all be fucking nuts. 
Oh, I don't know. Larry William Eiler was born December 21st, 1952 in Crodsfordville, Indiana. And that's about 335 miles southeast from here. He was born to George and Shirley. He was the youngest of four children. His father was an alcoholic and was well known for physically and emotionally abusing his wife and children. Mm. Well, Mama finally had enough of that shit and divorced the statistic prick in 1955. Good job, Ma. Mm-hmm. But. Mm, I don't like that. Back then, that was not what a woman did. You know, right. 1950s. Um, she was to stay home with the kids and be there for the kids and whatever. So she had a rough go. She was struggling financially to support them all. Not alone to put food on the table, um, you know, but for everything. Yep, yep. So poor girl was nonstop working. She worked a factory job during the day, waitressing at night, and bartending on the weekends. Dang. Right. Back in the 50s, that was... That's... That's fucking grinding. Yeah. Yeah. We know what that's like, don't we, Mer? Lord. <laughs> Unfortunately. So the kids were pretty much being raised by babysitters, foster parents. And if that was not the case, they were left to care for themselves with the oldest child in charge at the young age of 10. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. That's, I mean, back then... You know, a little bit here and there, but that's a, that's way too much to be putting on a 10-year-old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mom remarried in 1957, but that only lasted one year. Married for a third time in 1960, divorced four years later, and then married for the fourth time in 1972. Wow. <laughs> Especially for, that's not what you did back then. That's, that's quite a bit. Right, right. Obviously, finding the first few douche canoes in the bar, because like his father, the first two stepfathers drank heavily as well. And again, he and his siblings were subjected to frequent abuse. Mm. One of his stepfathers actually would discipline him in a way that I would call torture, um, frequently holding his head beneath scalding water. <gasps> Holy fuck. That's not fucking discipline. That's, that's not discipline. That's that's straight up abuse and torture. Yeah, that's fucked up. Torture. Eiler went to a Catholic school. He was tall for his age and active in sports. But he was a target for bullies. Yeah. He came from a poor family and a broken home. So, you know, kid, oh, yeah. kids are mean. His sister confronted a lot of his bullies for him and because he was a very quiet child mm-hmm. until he wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> in 1963, his mother placed him in a home 
for unruly boys due to his stubbornness and erratic behavior. This was very scary for him, so he pleaded with his mother to come home. She agreed, but he did have a psychological test done and was found to be of average intelligence, although suffering from severe insecurity and holding an extreme fear of separation and abandonment. Well, pff, duh. I wonder why. <laughs> I mean, shit. Sounds like the little boy had a rough go at the beginning. Uh-huh. People are kind of just going in and out. Yes, ma'am. So it was recommended that he be temporarily placed in a Catholic boys' home in Fort Wayne. So he was shipped off there for six months and then back home to mom. When he reached puberty, he discovered that he was homosexual mm. and was very open about it. And you can't do that in a Catholic setting. Right. That, that's the thing. He was very open about it, but did not accept himself, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know? it, it does, because it it would be difficult, I feel, for... Yeah. So, due to his Catholic upbringing, he really struggled with it. He dropped out of school, got a GED, tried a little bit of college, but eh, not for me. Got a job as a security guard in the Marion County General Hospital. Lost that job after six months and became a shoe salesman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Interesting. It's a weird uh, jump. Right. Maybe it was the only job that was available at the time, though. He needs something yeah, quick. Whatever. I mean, hey, it's honest work. Yeah. I mean, shit. He could probably make some good money back then because... People only had a couple pairs of shoes, so <laughs> not like today where it's... How many shoes do you think you got? Too many. I ain't going to talk about mine. I've got fucking same shoes, different colors, type deal shit going on. And you know what's really sad is that Eric and I both have serious shoe boot fetishes. <laughs> I think he's probably got just as many as I do, and... So we can't buy shoes unless the other one can buy shoes. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Like if I get a new pair of boots, he's like, well, no, I got to get a new pair of boots. I actually just got some shoes the other day. They were like on sale. They were pretty cheap. So I'm like, what kind of shoes you got? They're just tennis shoes. They're white tennis shoes that I can kind of, they were like 10 bucks. So I figured might as well buy them that way if they get dirty and whatnot. Mm. I, got, I bought those Adidas shoes, but I never fucking wear them because I don't want to... <laughs> I bought them to wear like with black pants, but then I'm like, if it's like yucky outside, I'm like, I'm not going to wear them, you know, because then you don't want to get your shoes dirty. No, <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah. What, um, what are the, the shoes that I just, I don't even know what kind they are, but, um, yeah, I, or what brand they are, but yeah, I got like, oh, well, the ones I just bought are knockoffs. Or yeah. Mine too. I, I got a couple of pairs just for like when we're out trail hiking where I know they're going to get all sloppy or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, just something to throw on here and there, just slot, you know, that they can just yeah. flip them on. Yeah. Nice to have, but right. he, uh, he started frequent, frequenting gay bars, 
and was frequently engaging in casual hookups with men. Okay. You know, and I wonder how that worked in the 70s. You know, not like there was Tinder or plenty of fish, you know, swipe right. Well, you, um, go, you just go to the gay bars. So, well, I know, but I'm saying like, how do you, how do you hook up other than going to the gay bar? You know, you can't just. Probably just go to the gay bar. <laughs> <laughs> just the gay bar. Yep. Uh, anyways, <laughs> several several of these hookups um, noted Eiler sounded like he had anger sex, is what they called it. Yeah, he was probably mad about it and mad at the other guy for being gay. Yep. yep. Okay, that makes yep. sense. I mean, it. Yep. It's a tough time. He would never look at his partner during intercourse, but would shout out profanities such as bitch. Poor. So many thought him to believe that he was fantasizing that his partner was a female. Confusing, but his anger would only come out during sexual encounters. Okay. And shit was building up. He began bludgeoning and inflicting light knife wounds upon unwilling partners. Oh, shit. Particularly to their torsos. So, yeah, his hookups, he'd just kind of, like, slice them a little bit and be like, oh, my bad, bro. You know, I thought we were playing. But, yeah, he's escalating. Mm -hmm. At this time, he was living with 38-year-old library science professor named David, uh, I'm sorry, named Robert David Little, who he had met in 1974 when he went to college at Indiana State University. The relationship between the two men was nothing more than a friendship. Okay. So they say. More of Eiler viewing Little kind of as a father figure, something that he's never had before. Okay. But with a weird little twist, like very weird. Little, who was gay as well, was socially awkward and not very attractive. Okay. So they would go out to the club. Eiler would pick up a, quote, hookup, bring them home so they could all have sex. Huh. I, I don't know about you, Mur, but that's not an activity that I want to do with my, quote, father figure type. Yeah, no, that's definitely not a father. No, I mean, activity. Get your freak on, but. Mm, mm. Huh. That's, uh, a, that's a strange one. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Not, I don't, I don't know. So, yeah, I don't know if they would like. I don't know if he's not having an, a relationship with this guy. Why is he having sex with? I don't know them? if them two just never were intimate together if they were only intimate with us another partners i, I don't know it, it's very confusing but <laughs> whatever who am i to judge uh, it's a it's a dynamic for sure it's a <sighs> dynamic it sure the fuck is one i don't understand nor want to really <clears throat> yeah that's it's a weird one <laughs> As you don't a, fuck your dad, okay? No, not your dad. Zaku. 
As his actions were escalating on August 3rd, 1978, he picked up 19 year old hitchhiker named Craig Long on 17th street in Terre Haute, Indiana. Okay. Soon after the teen entered the truck, Eiler propositioned the youth. So, uh, you wanna? <laughs> so you wanna hang out or what? You wanna? Long was like, hell's the fuck no. And, <laughs> and attempted to leave the vehicle. Well, you know, Eiler didn't like that very much. Oh. So he held a knife against the youth's chest and the teen advised. I don't have any money. Eiler he says, I don't want your money. I want your booty. <laughs> I didn't think he wanted his booty. It, it's, it's a weird, it's, this is a weird, weird fucking situation. Eiler then drove towards a rural field stating, it's not your money I want. I'm not after your money. I'm after your life. He then ordered Long to undress, handcuffed him, bound his ankles. Oh, damn. And ordered him to get into the back of the pickup. How do you do that with cuffed ankles? You, hoppity, hoppity, hop. You know, like Oliver when he does hop, hop little, little buddies. buddies? Yeah, you can hop yeah, over. I don't know. I don't think I could get into a tailgate without both my feet. We'll try it. We'll try it for you. Okay. Well, again, Long was like, fuck that, and a fuck you too. <laughs> and ran as best as he could with bound angles. <laughs> yeah. More like hopped. While Eiler was getting undressed. So he fucking ache right off. He turned around and shouted, you queer. Well, <laughs> we really didn't like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, Why would he do that? Why, I, just get away. I don't know, man. Don't Fucking be run. shouting obscenities. When you're running from someone, don't look back. Don't engage. You fucking have your eye on your fucking... <laughs> you have your eye on your target and you go. 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 That's Fuck. just silly. Looking back slows you down. Not only that, but then you can run smack into a tree. Especially if you don't even know where you're bound ankles. You can't get too far fast anyway. Right. Right. You're smart, Mer. I'm so smart. Well, he caught up to him, stabbed him in the chest, (laughs) penetrating his lung. Long again got away. And managed to get himself to a nearby house. Damn, this guy like has a lot of fight in him. Yes, he does. And they uh, called paramedics. Okay. Get this. <laughs> what? <laughs> While the paramedics and officers are there stabilizing this poor kid for transport, Eiler comes walking up. And handed the handcuff key to a sheriff's deputy, claiming that he'd stabbed the young kid by accident. I mean, totally believable. Totally. No, they did not just let him go. And we're like, okay, no problem, buddy. No, they didn't let him go. He he was arrested and taken into custody 
and a search of his vehicle was done where they recovered a hunting knife, a metal tipped whip, a butcher knife. Oh, a metal tip. Oh my God. That. Mm, mm. A metal tip whip was hers. Oh, maybe I should put some a so, metal tip on my whip. Fuck no. Are you insane? Imagine how that sucker would crack then. Ugh. You will kill people. You will slice shit. Yeah. Yeah. So he had another set of handcuffs. Um, Tear gas. A sword. A sword? A sword. Like, what the fuck? Why you, why you got a sword, my guy? He's a kung fu champion. <laughs> Duh. Everybody is kung fu fighting. He was obviously charged. So Yeah, okay. That's he was good at least. he was charged with aggravated battery and agreed to plead guilty. His bond was set at ten thousand dollars, which his friends raised for him. Yep. <laughs> Homie got friends. Homie got friends in low okay. places. All right. He was released on bail until his August 23rd court date. The day they were supposed to appear in court, Eiler's lawyers offered Long a check from Little for $2,500 if he would drop the charges, which in today's money is, want to guess? $10,000. Close. $11,683. Oh, shit. Okay. Mm, I'd think about it. Long accepted. Yeah, I figured... So, of course, he changed his plea to not guilty, and as such, he was acquitted on November 13th. Oh, you silly goose. Being fined $43 in court costs, which just blows my fucking mind. That is wild. That is absolutely <clears throat> fucking wild. Well, I can't believe that the state didn't pick up the charges. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty serious act. Yeah, you stabbed a motherfucker. I would say attempted you, murder, is it not? You, you cuffed him and you stabbed him. <laughs> he accidentally stabbed him, though. After, yeah, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Binding this man, you <laughs> accidentally. But, buddy has some balls going up to him and being like, oh, my bad, guys. Right? That's, I was like, he, he did what? He, like, walked up like, oh, here's the key if you want to. Here you go. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry about that, my guy. I was just kidding. You should have just, I mean, when I asked you, do you want to, huh? Do you want to? Should have just gave it up. <laughs> Duh. Tried to tell you. Oh, Fucking God. weirdo. August 1981, Eiler formed a long-term relationship with a 20-year-old man named John and I'm not even going to try to get this last name. Dober, Doberifiskis. <laughs> so we'll just call him Jen. John D. <clears throat> well, get this shit. John lived with his wife, two children, and three foster children. I was just gay on the side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
in North Greenview Avenue in Chicago, Illinois, which is just a hop, skip, and a jump from where he was living in Toddy Hard, uh, yeah, down in Indi- Illinois. Okay. Indiana. Yeah, you're right. Um, or actually, I was saying hop. Illinois is just a hop, skip, and jump from here is what I was trying to say. But oh, okay. we we know that. Gotcha. Our listeners don't. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Just across the drink. You know, you just drove there last yeah, it's weekend. Like three hours. Yeah. Three and a half. Depending on where you're going in Chicago. So yeah, this dude lived with his wife, kids. That's. But even better, his wife was tolerant of her husband's sexual orientation. And the fact of her husband's lover that stayed on the weekdays. Okay. That um that is, Mur, if he held up paying his part of a third of the rent. <laughs> Shit, dude. Oh Honey God. just didn't want a divorce. She's <sighs> like, okay, you know what? We'll we'll just we'll pretend like it's not happening. But motherfucker, you're gonna pay. That's a lot of kids. She probably just didn't want to go through a divorce. You <sighs> have to take care of all those fucking kids by herself. I mean, explain my face and eyeballs That's, right now. Like, I don't think my eyes can get any wider. You know, like it's wild. It's a wild one for sure. Oh my gosh. So, Eiler and John <clears throat> were both into sadism. So, I mean, I guess it worked out. Again, I don't mm-hmm. judge. Get your freak on. Some people. Now, he's living in Chicago during the week and working as a painter, but has a weekend gig back in Indiana working at a liquor store. So he's frequently traveling back and forth between the two connecting states. Okay. Um, let me guess on the other state. There's plenty. There, <laughs> I mean, you'll find out. He took different routes here and there oh, and okay. everywhere. Um, so he's living with John during the week and then living with little John and his wife. Yeah, John, Good his God. wife, the kids. Probably got some dogs. Who knows? Uh, like it's it's a it's a family affair. Little hoot nanny. <laughs> And then living with Little on the weekends. So it's on like Donkey Kong. We're traveling back and forth. It's it's fucking on. Yeah. October 12th, 1982. He lured 21-year-old Craig Townsend into his truck in Crown Point, Indiana. Drugged him. Extensively beat him. And left him for dead. The young man survived the assault. I was going to say, he didn't die, did he? He was found naked Uh, and comatose in a rural field. So he also suffered from exposure to the elements. Yeah. Yeah, you said it was like December. I was just, that was my next point. Did I say October in the Midwest? Oh, it was October. (laughs) So fucking cold and i i checked it it was 42 degrees that night Ooh, that's chilly that's chilly to be naked that's very chilly to be naked and i know it's nothing like 
you know, our negative 13 that we have today. Excuse me. Yeah, definitely not. But, but it is, but to be naked, it is out there yeah. for like a long time. It's cold. Yeah. So yeah, it's 42 degrees. If is, my house is like in the sixties, I'm like, Oh my God, it's fucking freezing. Oh, I know. I know. And that's with clothes on. Uh-huh. Kind of. Like, like thermal gym, socks. Gym freaking... <laughs> yeah. And he was naked. Mm. Yep, no. 11 days later, 11 days on October 23rd, Eiler abducted and murdered 19 year old Stephen Crockett. His body was found in a cornfield in Kanakee County, which is just south of Chicago. He was found approximately 12 hours after his murder. So, He was not out in the elements long, and an autopsy revealed Crockett had been beaten, then stabbed to death. Girl, he had 32 stab wounds. Oh, my gosh. Including four to his head. His fucking Mm. head, Mark. Can you imagine trying to stab a head? No, I don't know why. why, It's all bones. Why are you going to go and try to stab a head? I don't know. That to me is just so grotesque. Like, I don't know. It's all grotesque, but stabbing a head. Yeah. I don't even like fucking trimming meat, much less stabbing people. (laughs) I fucking hope not. I hope you don't like stabbing people. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, (laughs) it's, it's so beyond me that people do that. They're like, he obviously gets a fix off of it. Yeah. But what I'm saying is like, I couldn't imagine being like, I'm going to stab this fucker and get, get a rise out of it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it gives me the heebie jeebies. <laughs> that blade penetrating through skin. <laughs> Good Lord. Oh God. One week later. Yes. One week, seven days, one week on October. October 30th. Homeboy has some fucking deep-seated issues. This is quick. It's real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 26-year-old Edgar Undercolfer disappeared from Rantoul, Illinois, which is in between Chicago and Champaign. Okay. His body was not discovered until March 4th, 1983. So five months in a field close to Danville, Illinois. Wow. Which is just east of Champaign and in between <coughs> Champaign and his weekend home where he lived with the professor. Also, uh, not sure what Danville, Indiana looked like back in 1983, but I'm going to tell you. This is the most eerie fucking place that I have ever seen, that yeah. I've ever been. City looking like a ghost town. Ooh, I'm so bad. Oh my God. It, yeah. Not a soul in sight. Literally. Wow. Weird. You know, like when you see ghost towns in movies. And it's just like completely empty. Danville. Yep. That's crazy. I don't know if I could live somewhere like that. It literally looks like people just left their homes. Like, there's still 
outdoor furniture, but windows boarded up. What it, it's the craziest thing. Weird things still sitting on the porches. Thing it literally like if you and Looks I like people just came and got like abducted or something. Like if you and I just walked out of this house right now. And never came back. That's what it looks like. It's fucking That's eerie. Crazy. Yeah. When Alex was wrestling with Team Iowa, they had a national tournament there. Mm-hmm. And I was never so scared to stay in a hotel by myself. Ooh, yeah. No, I don't know about that one. Yeah. Oh, and, and my view from the, the hotel? A prison. <laughs> Barbed wire and all. Yeah, I didn't sleep much. Let me tell you that. I bet not. I bet not. I don't think I would have either. Yeah. It was scary. I'm not uh, 100% on the date, but sometime in November, Eiler murdered 25-year-old bartender John Johnson. His body was found one month later in Lowell, Indiana, also just south of Chicago. Dang. On November 20th, Eiler abducted 19-year-old hitchhiker William Lewis at a location close to Venice's. Do you think that he's, like, projecting this on his relationship with this professor? I Like, he's just hating the relationship. He's, like, hating himself because he's gay, so he's, like, projecting it onto, like, random men he finds he's trying to like well it sounds like kill himself or his internal being or whatever right because it sounds like he is not accepting of what he is and then he hates other men for being gay as well right so but not all these men are gay because that's why i'm saying i feel like he's projecting it onto himself or protect projecting like himself onto these right, men right. and then trying to like kill himself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That's what I think. It's, it's a strange situation. Um, so this was in Indiana and it's just south of his weekend home. Uh huh. He was stabbed to death and buried in a field close to Renaissance, Indiana. So is probably... he burying all of these or just that one? No, just one, you know, that one. So far. So this is also just south of Chicago. So everything's like right, right around. There, right, yeah. Right if you've seen a map, like his weekend <laughs> home and his his weekday home, it's like all right in there. Yep. <coughs> Excuse me. On December 19th, 23-year-old Stephen Agin was abducted from Terry Hotte. Dude's weekend hometown, okay? Oh my god. His body was discovered in a woodland close to the Indiana State Road 63 on December 28th. During an examination of the of an outbuilding of an ab- abandoned farm close to the crime scene. Now hold on to your cookies. When the fuck do we get cookies? Oh, there's a bunch of cookies over there. <laughs> they they found several traces of human flesh on the walls in area where plaster had been damaged. 
what the fuck? And this was in where? This was... Um, in a rest stop, you said? Nope. In a woodland close to the Indiana State uh, Road 63. So just in, like, woods off the interstate. So where did the plaster come in? Was it, like, probably, like, a bathroom or Are you listening? I'm trying to. <laughs> they were doing a routine check on an abandoned Oh, okay. Okay. I see. Area. I see. I, see. I get you now. I'm now And then I'm... found things to be suspicious. So they're like, what's that? I don't know. Let's go see. Okay. Got you. I got you. Yeah. So it led him to believe that he had been suspended against the walls during his murder mm-hmm. and had inflicted these injuries to his body. <sighs> there was extensive mutilation on his abdomen chest and throat the coroner who performed this autopsy stated that there was tremendous rage yeah i'd say and then listen to this because it's going to come in a little bit important later on the uh, the coroner also felt a strong likelihood of there being more than one perpetrator in this murder. Hmm. Huh. Eh. Wonder if it's the professor. Hmm. I think so, huh? Or is it John with all the kids and the wife? I don't know. Or is it just another random that he found? He's like, hey, you wanna? You wanna like go kill somebody or something? <laughs> Could you imagine saying that to somebody? Oh my God. Somebody you just picked up on the road. You looking for a ride? Yeah. Where are you going? All right. Hop in. So what do you like to do? Do you like to do a little light murder on the side or what? <laughs> Let me show you this, bud. Can you imagine? Like, that's wild. This whole thing is just wild to me. <sighs> What's even crazier is that right after the coroner performed this autopsy, he had another one to perform. Like, so there's two bodies waiting. Okay. So he performed this autopsy. He's like, Oh fuck, you know, torture, mutilation, blah, blah, blah. Craziest thing I've ever seen. Goes to the next one to perform an autopsy on a 21 year old male named, uh, John Roach, whose body had been found close to interstate 70 in Putnam County that day. Immediately. He noticed that they were same, same. Striking similarities. Same, same. Damn. The injuries inflicted on Roach had been the same injuries on Agon. On the autopsy that he just performed. Multiple stab wounds to the victim's abdomen, upper chest, and throat. Suggesting an overt rage exhibited by the perpetrator. That's crazy. That is... <sighs> On December 30th, 22-year-old Yale University graduate David Block disappeared from the Illinois suburb of Highland Park, which is a suburb of Chicago. 
He told his family that he was going to visit a friend in the nearby city of Highwood and literally is just like a few miles away. So like from here to East Yep. His body was discovered by a farmer in a field south of Illinois, Route 173, on May 7th, 1984. So he was missing for five months before he was found out in the elements. Oh, poor guy. On January 24th, 1983, Eiler abducted and murdered 16-year-old Irvin Gibson in Lake County, Illinois. 16 years old. That's so sad. I know. The poor fellow probably couldn't even drive yet. <coughs> yeah. Right next to Libertyville. <laughs> His body was not discovered until April 15th. Three months. Mer, you're probably not going to be ready for this. Don't say I was a kid. His body was found laying on top of a body of a dead dog, which had also been stabbed to death. Uh Uh-huh. That is batshit crazy right there. Right there. That is batshit crazy. On a dog? Now, these next five victims, I'm not sure if they cannot definitively prove were by the hands of Eiler, but it's believed and highly likely, and they're in the age range of 17 and 29. On May 9th, a body of 21-year-old Daniel Scott McNeve was found in a field close to Indiana State Road 39 in Hendricks County. His wounds immediately tied this murder to other murder victims, Mm -hmm. and they knew it was the same perp. He suffered 11 wife wounds to his neck, Five to his back, 11 to his abdomen, with one causing sections of his small intestines to protrude through his abdomen. So he was disemboweled. Oh, fuck. Man's is escalating. Man's is escalating hard. Like, goodness. Yeah. There were also welt marks discovered on his wrists and ankles, and his jeans had been pulled down to his ankles, but no sign of sexual assault. And I should also mention here, um, none of the others noted any sexual assault. So Interesting. Right. So I'm not sure at this point if they were assaulted or if, they were not assaulted or if it just wasn't founded or not sure. Prove it or yeah. Yeah. Nine days later on the 18th, Eiler murdered 25 year old Richard Bruce in Effingham, Illinois, Southwest of his weekend home. So in between Terrahate and St. Louis, His body was thrown from a bridge into a creek and remained undiscovered until December 5th. Seven months. Seven months in a creek. Wow. 
I can't even. That's and, a long time, especially in like moving water like that. I know, and that and that's the thing. Like, I don't know why it seems so horrid to me, but for a body to be in a body of water for months just seems. Oh, I don't know. I just. Ugh. Well, you got to figure like people drink out of creeks and stuff. I know. Why do you think I don't ever fucking swim in the Mississippi and. Yeah. You know how many bodies are in there? Yeah. Countless. Especially like back in the day when Al Capone was coming over here nonstop. You know, motherfucker was throwing motherfuckers off the bridge. You know he was. (laughs) Jesus. By now, the Indiana gay community had speculated the sudden increase in the number of disappearances and murders of young males might be the work of a serial killer. Police were raiding gay bars and adult stores, filming patrons to see if they can match anyone to question that may fit the profile of their unsub. Mm -hmm. The gay newspaper. Yes. (laughs) You heard that. (laughs) They had a gay newspaper? You heard that. Oh, I want to read that so bad. Right? How fucking I awesome would that be? I bet that was a good time. Be? How awesome would that be? Yeah. It was called The Works. Oh, it's a good one. <laughs> well, they were trying to assist police and created an anonymous hotline and published an article speculating as to both the identity and motive of the perpetrator Um, whom they speculated to be struggling to accept his sexuality. Mm -hmm. With assistance from members of the gay community and the family of one of the murder victims, the editors of the newspaper, they offered a, so they gathered all this together, they offered a a reward of $1,500 for any information obtained leading to the arrest and conviction of the killer. Wow. Which in today's money? Is a lot. How much is it? I can't even guess. My brain. $4,588. Dang, that's not bad. Yeah, good for them. Like, they're doing the whole thing. Yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. Got the fucking gay newspaper. Got some fucking. Oh, I love it. The gay newspaper. I know. I want to read this. I know. It's got to be the best. Literally, it's got to be the best. It's got to be good. It's got to be good. Oh, shit. If anyone knows of any gay newspapers out there, let us know. Because Mer and I would... I know. I want to read the 80s gay newspaper. Well, I know. But maybe but, someone's got a copy of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you got a copy of it, please send I mean, us I, something. I would, still, I would still read a today's gay newspaper. But I feel like back in the oh, 80s... Oh, back then. You know it was so good. It was uh. so good. <sighs> Early spring 1983... Many murders of young males were linked to this perp. A task force of 35 detectives were formed from each of the four jurisdictions where bodies were found with similar wounds. Wow. So they're on it. They're really trying. Yeah, they were. And they were all in cahoots and knew that they had a serial killer in their presence. And they were all after one goal. Get him. Amen, sister. The task force 
involved two detectives from the state police, two from the Indianapolis police, and two from each county involved in this manhunt. All information obtained was entered into a computerized database linked to a statewide police system. Okay. You know, and this is all unheard of back then. Like, this is, you know, you got to remember, this is the 80s. Murr, it opened up a whole can of worms. Like, the really gross, creepy, crawly kind. Oh, God. It wasn't long, and investigators in Kentucky contacted the task force, reporting that a 29-year-old Lexington resident named Jay Reynolds had been found in Madison County on March 22nd, and he had been stabbed to death. It also states that he was dumped there, so it was not the crime scene, just the dump site. A few days later, investigators in Chicago reported that the body of 18-year-old Jimmy Roberts had been found with 35 stab wounds to his body in Thorn Creek on May 9th. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Both victims were linked to the manhunt for the same perp, whom at this time the task force named him the highway murderer. And, I, and I'm sorry, I just, I hate when police or media glorify these losers with a name, you know, like, like they're somebody, you know? Like yeah. Giving them fucking... Something to be known yeah, for. Yeah, it's... Ugh, it's icky. It is. It really is. On June 6th, a call came in. A former lover of Eilers, who we'll just call Tom. Mm-hmm. Tom called the confidential hotline. Confidential so much as to have his name and publish it. First and last. That's why we're just calling him Tom. Because I, you know, I mean, I'm sure it's out there. It's totally out there. But I just don't feel good about that. He called to state his suspicions that Eiler might be the killer they were looking for. He explained that his former lover had been charged with, quote, some sort of stabbing of a young hitchhiker in 1978 possessed a violent temper, and had a fetish for bondage. Hmm. Hmm, you say? Hmm. Henderson added that Eiler worked in a liquor store in Greencastle on Saturdays and lived in Terrahate with an older male on the weekends. So during the week, he lived in Chicago and possibly traveled those particular highways regularly. He also informed investigators that in May of 1982, Eiler had drugged a 14-year-old boy and then abandoned the unconscious youth in a woodland close to Greencastle. The boy had not been molested, and investigators theorized the reason Eiler had given the boy sedatives was as a means to test the effectiveness of the drug. Wow. I mean, he gave him all the tea. All the tea on this dude. Yeah, I guess. Dang. They do a background check, and it checks. The 1978 attack matches the modus operandi. You know what that is, right, Mer? Yeah. Motive. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it matches the MO of the highway killer. The FBI developed a psychological profile of the unsub and their prediction, a white male in his late twenties or early thirties who worked in a menial. Menial. (laughs) That just sounded weird. Profession who presented a rough exterior in part due to his self-hatred regarding his sexual attraction to other males. The individual would project a macho image and seek the company and approval of other masculine males in order to feel a sense of belonging. Hmm. As such, this individual would frequent redneck bars (laughs) and be something of a night owl, yet live on the edge of homosexual panic, always fearful of being labeled by others as queer. Due to this fear, this offender may express a hatred of homosexuals in order to mask his sexual attraction to those from whom he sought acceptance. Huh. Huh. Imagine that. Furthermore, the FBI predicted that upon completion of a murder, the offender would symbolically erase the act by making a rude effort to cover his victim with leaves or soil. And that this individual likely had middle-aged, middle-class, and markedly more intelligent accomplice accomplice in several of his initial homicides. Hmm. Okay. Now let's take note of that, okay? Take note. Okay. As many victims had been athletic in stature, this profile also predicted the offender to be a physically strong individual. The predictions with this profile regarding the offender's strength were supported by the presence of deep welt marks upon the wrists of many victims, suggesting that they had struggled to resist being bound and handcuffed. It's a match. Put my pile. Yep. Yep. So they put him under full surveillance. Oh, I bet. That's a good night, fucker. On July 2nd, the partially clothed body of an unidentified Hispanic man was discovered in a field two miles from the city of Paxton in Fort County, Illinois. The victim had been dead since June 27th or 28th and had been repeatedly stabbed in the abdomen. Eight weeks later, on August 31st, a tree crimming tree trimming crew discovered the body of another victim 28 year old ralph kelsey in a field close to a tollway near illinois route 60. he had been stabbed 17 times with a butcher knife and mer he was also disemboweled yeah with a butcher knife yeah yeah early september A Chicago reporter noted similarities between the August 31st murder of Kelsey and the two earlier deaths of young males within Lake County. Conversing with Cook County investigators, they were assuming that the two young male murder victims who had lived in or disappeared from uptown 
1982, who had also been discovered with multiple stab wounds to their bodies and their trousers and underwear pulled down to their ankles in Kanakee County, Illinois, and Lowell, Indiana, were all of the same perp. So these five victims were also added to the list. Damn, he's just racking them up. That's what I'm saying. Like, went on a fucking... He's after it. Yeah, he was fucking on a mission. Right now, it's believed that the, the perp has murdered up to 17 young males. 17. That's a lot. One month later, October 4th, when two individuals were out mushroom hunting... You know, you know that was for some tasty morels. You know it. Yeah, dude, those things are so good. I need to get out this year. I just... You go mushroom hunting? I used to. Like, I used to go with Mike and Liv. But I haven't in, like, a really long time. Autumn goes all the time. I'm like, tell me when you go next time. Because I have no idea where to go, you know. By dead elm trees? Yeah, I know, but I mean, like, I don't, I'm not like, oh, that's an elm tree, or nor do I know where elm trees are, you know? So. I know, Eric and I keep saying every year, we're like, we gotta get out and get some morels, and then we never do. I, exactly, that's what I'm saying. So I told Autumn, I'm like, next time you go, you need to tell me, and I'm coming with you. And then I'll cook them up for us. <sighs> yeah, they're tasty. They are very tasty. So they're out mushroom hunting. They found a human torso inside a plastic bag in Kenosha, Wisconsin. The victim was later identified as 18-year-old Eric Hansen, who had been last seen alive on September 27th in St. Francis. Hansen's Hansen's head, arms, and legs had been severed from his torso with a hacksaw. Ooh. Mm. You definitely got a lot of, uh, oh God. Uh, That's, uh, that takes some time, I would assume. Yeah. The hacksaw? Hacksaw. And the torso had been completely drained of blood. Oh, this guy's getting weird. His skull and hands were never found. I wonder what he did with them. Uh, I don't even want to fucking guess. October 18th and 19th, partially decomposed bodies of four more victims. Oh my God. Were found alongside an oak tree close to an abandoned farmhouse in Lake Village, Indiana. Each victim had been dead for several months, and all four were partially buried with sections of their body um, remaining, of each body remaining exposed above ground, <laughs> suggesting the murderer had only made a half-assed attempt to bury him, or did they? He wanted him to be found. He you see, that, that's what I'm saying. I wonder if it was like his sick way of going back to view him. You know, and knowing that they're there. Right. Or just knowing that's how they were left. You know, like, I don't know. Maybe it was just a half-assed attempt. I mean, he was initially first just dumping them wherever. But yeah. 
but now they're on to him so he's got to conceal them somehow you know if he was going to continue yeah so i don't know it just it kind of that just resonated with me like i don't know if it feels a little planned yeah i feel so too because wait till i freaking finish these notes here because then you're gonna go "Hmm, okay okay um all four victims had been stabbed more than two dozen times with a blade at least eight inches in length and the pants of each victim were down to their ankles hmm but here's what I was going to say. The oddest thing. Three of the victims were white. Okay. Yeah. They were all buried on one side of the tree, three feet apart with their heads facing north. The fourth victim was an African-American teenager and he was buried on the other side of the tree. Hmm. Like what the fuck? You know? So if you took the time to do that and put them three feet apart you can't tell me that you didn't intentionally, you know, you put three yeah. white guys over here, one black guy over here. That's intentional. So to me, that was, I don't know, seems a little weirdy. Yeah. Two months later, December 7th, a hunter found a partially buried skeleton of another victim in Hendricks County, close to U.S. Route 40. The victim was identified as 17-year-old Richard Richard Wayne, who had disappeared on March 20th while traveling from California to his home in Montclair, Indiana. Hmm. Just a few feet from there, where a mobile home had burnt down, was the body of a less decomposed victim underneath it. This was an African-American male, approximately five foot, nine inches, but this victim was never identified. Oh. I know. How sad is that? Well, as I said, they were surveilling the mans. So not sure if it was due to them surveilling or if it was a quinky dink, but Eiler was pulled over on Interstate 65 in Lowell, Indiana on September 30th, 1983 for a traffic violation. Hmm. And I'm not sure if this was the reason that he was pulled over, but nevertheless pulled over. And good thing too. He had a young male hitchhiker in his vehicle. Hmm. Hmm. William Catherine, that dude has no idea how close he was, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Both were arrested and taken in for questioning. Eiler was initially being detained on charges of soliciting a young male for sexual purposes. Without Eiler's consent and before informing him that he was under arrest, while still on the side of the interstate, police had searched his Ford pickup truck and found two sections of nylon rope. His vehicle was then impounded. Hmm. <clears throat> While in custody, the investigators informed him, informed him that he was a suspect in the highway murders due to an anonymous call that came in from a former acquaintance of his. Of course, he denies any of these oh, allegations. Of one me. 
also he's denying the fact that he's into men. Like, why is that so shameful? I mean, I get telling telling on yourself here, buddy. I get that, you know, you have a Catholic upbringing and it's the eighties, you know, it's not all whatever, but fucking love who you want to love, you know? Right. That's what I say. He did consent to um, the investigators request to conduct a forensic examination of his vehicle mm-hmm. and also agreed to allow investigators to take his mugshot, copy of his fingerprints and subject him to a polygraph test at a later date. During the search of his vehicle. Now this was just what they seen. Like the nylon rope was just what they seen. But after they have consent to search, yeah, they get to go deeper. They recovered a knife in which blood was discovered beneath Hmm. the handle of the knife. The two sections of nylon rope that they had found. Handcuffs. A hammer. Two baseball bats. Oh, shit. A mallet. And surgical tape. Oh, my God. Boy was fucking... He was prepared. Yeah, I guess. Eiler's footwear and vehicle revealed the impressions of his boots to be a precise match to a plaster cast taken of imprints discovered alongside the body of Ralph Kelsey. The pattern of his vehicle's tire tracks also seemed similar. In addition, Eiler's lifestyle closely matched that predicted upon the psychological profile of the murderer earlier complied by the FBI. There you go. <clears throat> upon completion of the forensic examination, the pickup of the pickup, the Indiana investigators informed Eiler that he was free to leave custody and retained possession of his vehicle. What? Uh, that right? What? After finding all of that evidence, that's not enough to hold him. There's blood on the mind night. blown. Did did they did they have DNA back then? Oh. They were afraid that he would dispose of any evidence that me he may have. So on October second, so well, yeah, um, which Black. was a few days later. They did come with a search warrant to the home. But he had days days yeah, to get rid of the evidence. Say, after a few days, you should have came fucking right before he got out. Do you think he did? Oh, yeah. No. What? <laughs> fucking moron. You deserve to get caught. I mean, you deserve to get caught anyway, but. Further circumstantial evidence was found and obtained, such as credit card receipts Indicating Eiler's presence in jurisdictions in both Illinois and Indiana on dates where victims linked to the highway murders have been killed. Phone bills retrieved from the property revealed Eiler had regularly placed collect calls to Little's home at odd hours, shortly after identified victims were believed to have been murdered. Hmm. One of these calls to Little's home had been placed from a payphone near the Cook County Hospital 
on April 8th. The murder date of victim Gustavo Herrera. So, gotta check it out. Hospitalization records revealed that Eiler had received treatment for a deep cut to his hand on this date. (laughs) Is that right? Imagine that. But of course, he told medical staff that he had fallen from his truck and fell on a glass beer bottle. They also found... fell out the truck? Fell out the truck. Okay. They also found receipts that he had purchased handcuffs and a knife the following day. Good. Had to replace that stuff, you know. Yeah. Of course. Maybe it's just a strange cranky dink. Mm, Yeah, I bet. It is, yeah. Investigators um, further discovered Eiler and Little had recently spent several weeks on vacation in New York City. I wonder how many uh, turned up dead or missing there, you know. Returning to Indiana shortly before Kelsey's murder. It was believed by the task force that if he were not the murderer, he were he was following the steps of the actual killer on a daily. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, there's just too much there. If, I'm, I'm mind boggled that they just were like, yep, all right, you're free, buddy. Mm-hmm. Good yep. Lord. Well, after they find, you know, additional stuff, they seized possession of the truck and brought him back in for more questioning. Of course, Murr. Wasn't me. Duh. But two days later, he obtained a lawyer. I mean, dumbass should have had a lawyer from the fucking second he was arrested. Yeah. I mean, and not everyone should lawyer up, in my opinion. Guilty or not. Mm-hmm. Always lawyer up. Investigators notify his lawyer they have enough evidence to charge him on murder. The lawyer... He filed a civil suit against both the Lake County Sheriff's Police and the Indiana State Police, citing the harassment of his client and contending investigators in both states had violated his 14th Amendment and his client's civil rights by involving him in their collective investigation with insignificant evidence to formally charge them with a murder. The suit he was seeking $250,000 in damages against 11 named officers in both states. <laughs> okay, so he was like, oh, okay. What a dummy. The boot prints and the tire imprints that they recovered on the scene of Kelsey's yep. murder, they were sent to the FBI headquarters for further analysis. Mm-hmm. Want to hear the results? They matched. It's a match. Put my pile. Boom, boom. A precise match, including four distinctive areas of wear and damage to the soles. Extensive blood stains inside the shoes, determined to be type mm-hmm. A positive. Got you good, you fucker. Now, remember, DNA was not a thing back then, so it was just blood types of you know, right. whatever could be confirmed. And the tires on Eiler's vehicle were from two separate manufacturers. So two different tires, as you know, we do when, when we need to replace one. Oh, 
it's a match. Put my pile. To the tire impressions. Uh, a perfect match. Yeah, in terms I mean, that one's going to be hard to explain. Yeah. In terms of grip and depth. Get you, got you good. Some bitch. They wanted to be 100% sure, though. So they obtained a warrant for samples of Eiler's hair and blood. His blood type? O positive. So that's not his blood in his shoes. Hmm. Whose is it? Whose? I bet it's one of those bunch of men. He was formally charged on October 29th and held on a $1 million bond. Of course, he denies all allegations and even get this. Doing interviews for media claiming his innocence. So like going on the news. What a fucking dick. Claiming that they are ruining his reputation and um, stated if they if they had any real evidence against him, then um, they he would definitely be, you know, hung up. Um, they fucking do, bud. They do. <laughs> You're not very good at this guy. Like, good lord. November 1st, they conduct another search on the residents of his weekend home, hoping to find some keepsakes or clues to victims. Mm-hmm. Um, but they only found a key. But guess what? Oh, it's a match. Put my pile. You fucking dick. A key with a precise match was found beneath the body of Kelsey's murder. The one that they were actually charging him with, you know? Yep. Or. No, it wasn't found under his body. It was. Let me see here. Stephen Agin. That's who's the body. The key was under. And this key was later determined to fit the door of an office where Eiler had worked. How do you just lose a key? How's a key to a a fucking office that you work under a body that you didn't fucking murder? I know. That's. (laughs) I mean, wasn't me. Some rando stole my keys, murdered this dude and put my key under there. They're framing me. They sure are. November 12th, not sure why, but he gets a new lawyer and he picks up where the other one left off, stating that they have nothing on his client. A hearing set up. Want to guess what happens? He's found guilty. They fucking win. What? What the fuck? What the fuck is going on here? Lake County Circuit Judge William Block, and I'm using his entire name in entirety because fucking shame on you. Shame on you. Ruled that although Eiler's initial arrest for the traffic violation had been legally valid, his subsequent detainment during which evidence was recovered by Indiana police and now presented before him had been obtained without probable cause. Um, what do you mean? What? He was the suspect in a murder case. They had probable cause. You think he was paid off? 
likely. <laughs> they found items, what we call nowadays part of a rape kit, you know? Yeah. And that Eiler's detention had been legal. He was being held for soliciting. And then they decided, you know, like, hey, we're going to question you on this. That's what they do. That's good police work. The judge also ruled that the evidence recovered following Eiler's arrest should be suppressed. So, all null and void. Stated the police um, conceded the primary reason law police had prolonged Eiler's detainment on September 30th was to await the arrival of Lowell members of the task force to investigate the series of murders and that Eiler had never formally been under arrest in relation to any other offense than soliciting a male for sexual purpose. Like I said, yes, that's what they do. They fucking bring you in for some bullshit charge and then fucking question you. And then get you. Yes. So, yeah, I'm really fucking wondering if this dude's paid off. Yeah. I mean, it's... Yeah, you hold him on a bullshit fucking charge to build a case. Find evidence. What the actual fuck? I don't, I don't get it. Further testimony pertaining to the Lake County and Chicago officers, the search of his two residents, so the, the weekend home and the weekday home, revealed the search had been conducted without a search warrant. What? Mm. Judge Block ruled that although Eiler had signed a Miranda waiver, did you hear that? He signed a Miranda. Upon being detained, he had been taken into custody for interrogation upon charges unrelated to the crime of murder and was only later detained of charges of soliciting. Again, yeah, that's what's done on the reg. I, I don't get it. So not only... Had the search of the items of the home home been thrown out, Judge Block ruled the evidence recovered by the Illinois investigators of their comparison of his boot imprints and tire tracks recovered had been tainted at at the search, and uh, that's gone too. And that oh my god, yeah, yeah, this guy just came in and fucked shit up hard, fucked it hard. Yeah. Yeah. And that his um, initial illegal detainment by Indiana investigators in violation of his constitutional rights. Fuck. Furthermore, although Illinois investigators have obtained possession of Eiler's boots, um, they have, you know, didn't go through the proper chain of command is what he's saying. Um... He uh, also further ruled that the facts detailed to obtain the affidavit to search the weekend home were insufficient to obtain a warrant. Uh, What else here? So, yeah, everything's suppressed. Judge Block also reduced Eiler's bond to $10,000. All right. I am done with this guy. Want to tell the people what happens next, Mer? He gets released, doesn't he? He was bonded out. Bad sure bad. was. Fucking A. Freed. A free man. Well, if that's what you want to call him, a man. To walk about doing what he do. With the exception that he cannot leave the state of Illinois 
due to his bond. Mm, okay. So he permanently relocated to Chicago, living in an apartment complex in Rogers Park. And we're going to start calling Robert Little his sugar daddy now because um, sugar daddy from the weekend home is paying for everything. Okay. The apartment, furnishings for the apartment, and new tires for that truck. And his wife is just cool with all this. No, this is the older professor guy. This isn't the... Okay, okay, yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah, so he... So he was living He moved in the town... In Indiana. He moved into the town of the guy and the wife so he can still be it because he can't leave there. Yeah. Because that's where he was caught. That's kind of why I was... The guy in Indiana was his... paying for... Yeah, so we're calling him Sugar Daddy. Gotcha. Yeah. Obviously, something more is going on because... Dude, just don't pay for all your shit. Yeah, no shit. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I have friends, like, that pay for stuff for me. But, you know, it's like a drink or, like, a meal, you know, and then. And then you return the favor. Yeah, but, I mean, I I don't think I could have any of my friends. I'm going to try it. I'm going to be like, hey, you think you can rent me an apartment and furnish it for me? Uh Uh-huh. And. Yeah, to me, that that's. That speaks it's, way more than a friendship. I'm sorry. Yeah. It speaks more than a friendship. Especially especially when y'all are fucking people together, you know? It's <laughs> Right. Right. I, uh, yeah. It's a, it's a. I'm not buying it for a dollar, Mer. I'm no. Not. Uh-uh. uh-uh. So, not, not. So I, I think it's a sugar daddy. I, I think it's his fucking. Well, that's what I'm saying. His sugar daddy. Sex for money. Mm, so. Okay, well, I think I think we're gonna break there. Yeah, I think we're gonna do. Yeah, I don't know part if I can two. take much more of that. I mean, um, well, not only that, it's long, and we still get we're we're like halfway through, so mm. I think we're gonna break here. Um, unfortunately, yeah, I, I hate... don't think we want a three-hour episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, people don't want to listen to us for that long, do they? Uh, probably not. I maybe maybe I don't know. Maybe next time we'll see. <laughs> So, with that said, um, do you want to do a dumb criminal or just go to Eric's joke? No, let's do a dumb criminal. Okay. This one. I need a little bit of a... Pick you up? Yeah. (laughs) Excuse me. Hampered by stupidity. In Mesa, California, a home break-in was foiled when the burglar jumped through the bedroom window. And got trapped in a clothes hamper. (laughs) (laughs) Idiot. The cops took it from there. Oh, Oh, that definitely wasn't the kind of clean getaway (laughs) any planned, Hammer. No, that was a dirty one. (laughs) Dirty, dirty. Oh, fuck. Could you imagine thinking you're getting away with something and then boom? You're like, ha, fucker. Shit. Oh. Shit. Not hey, buddy. Uh, can, can you help me? <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. All right. Eric's joke for the day. Oh, lordy. <laughs> How is a push-up bra like a bag of chips? It's only a third of the way full. As soon as you open it, you realize it's half empty. <laughs> ah, I was close. I was close. 
Anything planned for the rest of the evening? I'm going to go home and make some food. Make some din-din? Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. And take care of my sick child. Oh, babe. I know. I feel so bad for him. He looks so miserable. Mm. And he just wants to snuggle. Mom, he, like, wasn't having any part of dad this morning. Mm. And he just lays on my shoulder. That's how I know he's, like, sick. He's just laying on my shoulder, like, all day. For oh, all day. Fella. I know. Yeah. Well, I hope everybody stays warm out there. It's uh, yeah, it's fucking cold. It's supposed to start to warm up. Um, starting Sunday, it's supposed to get up to the teens, nineteen. Oh, great. Monday's supposed to be thirty-six. I think I might go Ooh. out and sunbathe. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> get out your bikini. <laughs> yep. Get, go in the pool. Get a little lotion on you. There you go. Mm-hmm. Only you still had it up. Ice skating. I don't know. All right. Well, if people have stories that they want to send in to us, Mur. You can send them in to us uh, right on our website at momandmurder.com. Or you can email us at momandmurder at gmail.com. That's M-O-M-A-N-D-M-E-R-D-E-R.com. Actually, I think I said Gmail second. So that's at gmail.com. But either way. Yeah, she's same, sick. Same. Same, same. I have half a brain, so. She's sick. Give her a break. I know. Oh. Right. Yeah. So send in stories. We'd love to hear from stories from your neck of the woods. Yep. Or, Make sure you, you know, share just... us with your friends. Rate and review. And leave us uh, all that fun stuff. On, we can be heard on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or wherever the hell you're listening. Yeah. That's so true, Mer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So send in some stories. We'd love to hear stories. Yes. Yes, please. yes, yes. Yes, please. So you, you got anything else to tell them or anything else to say? No. All right. Well, I hope you feel better. I hope I do too. All right. Listen to your mother. And don't have sugar daddies. Ugh. And get in the friend, get in the car with strangers. And if you do have a sugar daddy, just make sure they don't support killers, I guess. I don't know. I guess you can have a sugar daddy if you want. <laughs> Mer's sick and she don't care what you do. Just don't hurt peoples. Yeah, just don't hurt people. Don't stab people, okay? Disembowel. Yeah. Uh, Let's not do that. Yeah, just be good peeps, man. Hopefully next week I'll be, I'll be feeling fine. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Love y'all.